Money, Riches, and Wealth is sponsored by the Financial Consulate. Say you don't need no diamond rings and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things the money just can't buy. I don't care too much for money. Money can buy me love. This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Time now for Money, Riches, and Wealth. Here's your host, Drew Tignanelli. And this is Drew Tignanelli here at Money, Riches, and Wealth. Um, tonight, co-host Madison Bennett. Madison, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, but you're you're a different Madison Bennett than the last time I talked to you. I am. I got engaged since the last time you spoke to me. <laughs> I don't, don't say that. You're going to break all kinds of people's hearts out there, Maddie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Have to let him down easy somehow. <laughs> yep, and congratulations to you for Thank that. You. Uh, it was uh, wonderful to see. I uh, know Brian; he's a great guy, and um, so we're excited for you. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. We're happy tonight, though, Maddie. We're on an open show. That means our guests uh, are our listeners, and they get to determine the direction of the conversation tonight. You get to say this is the topic that I want to talk about. I don't want to necessarily talk about investments or whatever. I want to talk about Social Security. Or maybe you say, I don't want to talk about Social Security. I want to talk about taxes. Or maybe you say, I want to, I want to talk about taxes. I want to talk about Roth conversions. Whatever the topic is, if it deals with your personal finances, be it insurance products or, or uh, estate planning or income taxes or whatever, we're here to help you at 410 Nine two two six six eighty. If you want to call in and ask your question, again, that's four one zero nine two two six six eighty. If you want to call in, ask your question, Maddie will get you on the line with us, and we'll do our best to help you tonight. Four one zero nine two two six six eighty. You know, Maddie, you always know that I'm going to ask you this question. You have any topics while our listeners are? calling in you you prepare now you say i, I do i've learned i've, I've been, learned drew i've been doing this long <laughs> enough i definitely know what to do um recently i had a client reach out to me about the medigap birthday rule um okay. for maryland that was yeah. new this year just effective as of july um yeah. so i wanted to see if you could just kind of explain to our viewers that may not know um what right. that is so yeah, so um, Medicare, um, when you turn 65, and it's not only 65, you, if you have a company policy, you can wait until you leave the company policy. But let's just assume that it's 65 and you go on Medicare. Most people who don't have a company providing retiree medical insurance, where they would provide the Medicare supplemental, have to go into the private market and get a Medigap policy. And typically, we recommend what's called Plan G, as in girl. So let's say, um, Maddie, we say to a client, hey, Mutual of Omaha has got a great policy. It's doing fantastic. Plan G. And they go sign up for it. And it's $160. And then three years later, Mutual of Omaha says, oh, wow, we got to raise our premiums to $210 a month. And we think, you know, that's a little high because we know other companies out there are still 170, 180. Why is Mutual of Omaha jumping up to 210? We can say to the client, hey, when it's your birthday, you have 30 days to go to any company and say to them, hey, I don't want to be with Mutual of Omaha. I want to be with you. 
and they have to take you. And that's the birthday rule that you're referring to. And a lot of states have adopted this. Uh, Maryland just adopted it recently. And it's a great it's a great plan, you know, for people because there's really no significant additional cost to new companies to accept uh, somebody into their plan, um, you know, with Medigap. And that's a, that's another story in itself. But um, if you're on a Medigap plan and your premiums are getting expensive, do not expect it to be normal. A lot of people just sit back and, oh, well, your medical costs are going up, so my premium went up, you know. Don't accept that. Assume that they're overcharging you and that you ought to go searching for a new company. Because here's, here's a secret to Medigap, Maddie, is that is, is that it's not like when you were on regular insurance. When we were under when I was under 65 years of age, I had Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Blue Choice, and I had a network of doctors that I had to go to and get good benefits, et cetera, by going to those doctors. When you're on Medicare and you have a Medigap, you can go to any doctor, anywhere, anytime, as long as they accept Medicare, you know, it's it's fine. And I could have a policy with Timbuktu Company. It's irrelevant as long as they're strong enough to pay my premiums. I mean, pay my my benefits, whatever needs to be paid after Medicare finishes to pay. So the only thing that counts with Medigap, it's not the company or the company name. It's the it's the customer service. It's the premium they're charging. And what type of Medigap plan is it? And Plan G is Plan G, whether it's with Timbuktu Company or Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Mutual of Omaha, or whoever. So that's a great question. And uh, we have a caller, eh? So let's see if we can get Janet's question before we have to take our first break. All right. Hi, Janet. Hi. Um, so this week I called Fidelity Investments uh, to get my required minimum distribution process. Okay. I, I always ask for 20% federal and 8% state. Okay. They said uh, they couldn't do that because of the Secure Act 2, but I had three options. I could get uh, have their system automatically calculate something, and it would only withhold a couple hundred dollars. Option two would be fill out a W-4P. Um, option three would be they could override their system and hold, withhold the 20%. So we tried to do that, couldn't do that on the computer system. So we went well, hold on a second, Janet. Mm-hmm. Fidelity is a pain in the neck, okay? Yeah. We do business with Fidelity, too, okay? They're one of our primary custodians. They're a pain in the neck. You call one company, you call one person, and they give you a stupid thing that they said to you. You call another right. person, and they say, okay, we'll do 20 and 8. So just call back and ask to do 20 and 8, and you'll probably get another person that says, sure, Janet, that's perfectly fine. There is no rule that they can't do 20 and 8. I did, I did that. I called back and spoke to the supervisor. And they and said the said, same thing? They said the same thing. They said they could probably do the 20%. They could finagle it around. But um, he'd have to have their research department department look at it. They already sent me a check. You know, wait a minute. Let me ask you a quick question. Are mm-hmm. you in an IRA or a 401k? That was a 401k. So that's the problem. Okay. You should just roll that dang thing over to an IRA unless you're being sued. If you're being sued, leave it in the 401k. If you're not being sued... Get it the heck out of the 401k because you're going to deal with that kind of stupid stuff. No, I, w- I want to leave it in the 401k because, um, I, you know, I may be sued one day. So now, Well, um, if, you're, if you do have a potential lawsuit, you always leave it in the 401k. 
The only other reason you would not leave it in the 401, you would leave it in the 401k is if you have company stock in the plan or you have a unique investment opportunity. But you have to well, hold on. We can finish this conversation in a second. I got to go to a traffic break. I'm going to be right back with you after this break with traffic. Take it away, traffic. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you'll experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference. Now back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. And we're back, Money, Riches, and Wealth, and we're on an open show tonight. Jim's on the line. Hopefully Jim's holding for us. We just have to finish up with Janet real quick. But we're on an open show tonight, 410-922-6680, if you want to call in and ask your question. Here with Madison Bennett, and uh, we'll go back to Janet and see what we can finish up there. All right. Hi, Janet. Hi. Okay, so they, they sent the check. It was wrong because they had gone over the numbers with this guy. The supervisor said they're going to send it to the research team. If it's their, pro, their, their mistake, then they're going to send me a new check. It's my mistake. Tough luck. So now... Um, this new, I always thought 20% federal had to be taken out of any distribution. Not an RMD. That's okay, the only so exception. RMD on a 401k, you can do anything you want to. Okay, RMD on a 401k, I can do anything I want? You can do okay. zero if you wanted to. You can do 20%. You can do 5%. You can be 50%. Okay, totally what, to what about an IRA? IRA is the same rule, but only in a 401k, it's only the RMD that you can do that. If you go above and beyond the RMD, then it's an automatic 20% federal. Right. Okay. So I'm not going to, when I call up for my RMD distribution, um, my minimum required distribution on IRA, they're going to let you can, me. You can do anything you want. Okay. Anything. All right. Yep. All, All right. right. Okay, Good thank question. You very much. All right. Thank you. All right, what's uh, what's Jim up? It to? looks like we lost Jim. We lost Jim. Yeah, you know, it's gonna happen. You know, you have a good question like Janet, you have to address it. You know, but we hope Jim will call back. We hope anybody else that wants to call. We have nobody online. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to answer more of Maddie's questions, and uh, that's not a problem, though, Maddie. But uh, <laughs> you got some good questions. But uh, if you want to call in four one zero nine two two six six eighty, if you'd like to call in and ask your question. 410-922-6680. You know, one thing that I didn't get to tell Janet is that, you know, again, if, you're, if you've got a potential for a liability lawsuit, you need to stay in your 401k. If right. you don't have that issue, 
you want to typically roll over to the IRA. There's exceptions to that. Like if you have company stock, you have to be very thoughtful about that because there's some unique tax issues when you have company stock in your plan. But the other thing to keep in mind is that you cannot do a qualified charitable distribution from a 401k or a 403b. You can only do that from an IRA. So if you're charitably inclined, you almost always want to get out of your 401k or 403b and go to the IRA so that you have the opening to do qualified charitable distributions, which is extremely important. I can't stress the importance of doing all your charitable contributions out of your IRA if you're charitably inclined. And you know, Maddie, it frustrates me no matter how much we talk about this with our clients, we always run into that one or two clients that just don't seem to hear it. And you have to tell them over and over and over, do not do your charitable giving other than from your IRA. Right. I mean, we, how many times have we seen that? You know, it just, it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, anyway, um, and we're hoping our listeners are hearing that I don't have to keep repeating this, that they're always calling in saying, hey, I did my qualified charitable distribution. You don't have to worry about me. I did my qualified charitable distribution. If you're taking your RMD and it's coming from an IRA and you're giving money to charity, you always, the first thing you want to do is give that money to charity from your IRA and right. force your broker or your, your bank or your insurance company, whoever's holding your IRA, force them to do the qualified charitable because they don't want to. They don't want the extra administration or burden. They hate it for me to be saying this on the radio because they know you're going to call up and ask them to do it. They don't want to do it. They don't want the extra administration. They just want to make money off of you without having to do too much work. That's the, uh, the essence of our industry. Financial services industry is how much money can I make off of you with the least amount of work that I could possibly do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right. It's, it's, a, it's a great industry, you know, if, yeah. you, if all you care about is making a lot of money off of people, it's a great industry, you know. That's for um, sure. Hopefully it's coming to an end as more people like myself get on the radio and tell people how to do it right, how to do it professionally. So anyway, we're on an open show, Maddie, 410-922-6680. No one's online. You don't want to hear me just rant on some of these issues. So if you call in and ask your question, be it on Social Security or investments or 401ks, Roth conversions, uh, tax planning, whatever. If it deals with your money, your personal finances, then we're here to answer your question. 410-922-6680 is the way to call in. We got another caller, eh? We do, yes. Fred from Ellicott City. Hi, Fred. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, employed, get a paycheck twice a week, but I sold some property earlier this year. Do I still owe estimated tax on that when I sold it? Uh, not necessarily. You know, there's a thing called safe harbor, Fred, and that you need to learn about. So safe harbor says if you're, what's your typical income in a year? 100000 150000 500000 what? 150. 150. So if you're 150, you look at your um, total tax that you paid last year. Let's say your total tax liability, which um, I, don't, I don't know the exact line, but it's something like line 36 is your total tax liability. And uh, you take that and multiply it by 110%. 
And let's say you paid 20000 in taxes, you multiply it by 110%, that's 22000 in taxes. So you look at your current withholding this year, and if you paid in somewhere around twenty dollars or $22,000 in taxes, then you can pay all the capital gains next year without any interest penalties when you go to pay the, uh, the, the gain on that sale. So the answer to that question is, you know, worst case scenario, you might owe a hundred or two hundred dollars of interest, but I wouldn't worry about it if your gain is substantial. Was your gain substantial? More than fifty? More than a hundred? Yeah, it was more than a hundred. Yeah, so I wouldn't worry about it because um, you know if you if you have pretty much the same tax system or tax situation this year as you had last year then chances are you're not going to owe hardly any interest penalty, quote-unquote. So I wouldn't worry about estimated taxes. Okay, but you, you need to be prepared that whatever your gain was, multiply it by 30%, and that's, well, I should take that back. Call it 25%. Multiply your gain by 25% and put that aside and say, okay, if my gain's 100, here's 25000 to be ready to pay that gain next year. It was okay. a, a long-term gain. Yeah, that's why I say 25%, long-term gain. See, why do I say 25%? It's 15% federal plus 8% state, 8.5% state. So that brings that's, you up to at least 23. And if your income total with the gain exceeds 250000 then it's going to go to 18.8% capital gain federal plus 8.5%. So that's 25 is a safe number. All right? Very good. Yeah. Appreciate All right, it. buddy. Thank you. Good question. Thanks. Very good question. Who's next, Maddie? Oops. Uh, well, we are yeah, on we got to go to our traffic break, or Anita's going to rip me one new one. <laughs> anyway, let's go to traffic. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you'll experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference. back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back. Money, Riches, and Wealth. We're here on an open show. We've got callers on the line. And so, Maddie, let's rock and roll with them if they're still there. Let's see who's there. All right. Yeah, we've got three callers on the line, but first up, we'll go to George. Hi, George. Hey, good evening. I, uh, this is, uh, I, this is kind of embarrassing, but, uh, I, I, uh, hurt myself and I've been off work for a couple months waiting for my short-term disability money to start showing up 
and I'm the only money maker in my family with a wife and kids. And unfortunately, I started using credit cards to pay for a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm to the point now that I've run up the credit cards and made my credit score drop. And I really can't get a loan to consolidate this stuff because my scores have dropped. So I'm getting suggestions to try debt management companies, and I've had 50 different ones contact me, all promising or saying they can get rid of about half of my debt. And of course, well, what, 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 wait a minute, George. What's taking so long to get your short-term disability check? Uh, there was a processing. Uh, there, there was a problem with processing the paperwork um, on day end. It wasn't submitted properly, and we had to resubmit it. So it, it's coming here. I'm told I will have a check uh, soon. But it's what what what's bothering me is I can't pay these credit card bills. So I'm. Like wondering if I'm faced with like bankruptcy, like a chapter. No, no. I mean, you know, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a lump sum check for the retroactive that you're gonna get. That that should help you pay down a lot of it, right? And then you're gonna. I would think so, but I'm just I'm I'm going late, like thirty, and I'm gonna go sixty days on some. Yeah, well, Uh, you know, but you know, if you you start paying it down, the credit score will start repairing pretty quickly. So. You know, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be. You know, uh, unless you feel that the money's not going to come in. Um, how many well, weeks hoping, has it been? Uh, since May. Since May, short-term May. disability. Do you have long-term disability too? I don't. So what no, happens I'm, after the short term runs out? Uh, I'm hoping I'm back to work. Um, Are you not, back I'm to gonna, work? Uh, I'm back to work sitting at a desk but not doing where I can earn overtime and work my part-time job and stuff like that. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it is a possibility. You might have to go into what they call, you know, debt management where you you negotiate with them to to make smaller payments, et cetera, et cetera, until you can get more more income, you know, but it's 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 a long process. Um, you know, uh, most companies will work with you if you if you just reach out to them. You can also so can, you can also hire a consumer counselor, uh, but you know I would try to do it yourself first. Oh, so you so what they what these debt management companies are saying is I could probably do a lot of that myself instead of paying them these exorbitant fees that they want. That, I mean, you know, they're only all they're going to do is contact the company and say, "How much does he owe you? What, what can what can we work out that you know?" And you could do that yourself. You can just reach out to them and say, "You know, okay. this is what's going on. This is what I'm dealing with. You know, how can I uh, work out something that you know try to try to get this under control over a period of time?" But you know, depending on what your other assets are, what other kind of assets do you have? Not not much. I. I... I got a, I got a, I got almost, almost seventy in credit cards and and loans, like what they call it. You know, um, then you know, depending on what your other, in, what your income is and what your assets are, there is a potential that you would be able to file bankruptcy and wipe it all out and start from from scratch. And there's really nothing wrong with that. That's actually a great solution. You know, it's designed to help somebody like you. So I wouldn't be afraid of doing that if you needed to. 
cocaine. You know but don't don't take money out of your 401k. You hear me? Don't take money of your 401k to help try to get this under control, okay? Right. That was my next question. Never, never, ever take money from your 401k to try to get debt under control. That is the absolute worst thing you can do. <clears throat> if you need to, go contact a, a debt attorney, a, a credit attorney, and look at the concept of filing bankruptcy. But the first thing I would do is call the companies and see if you can work out some kind of arrangement with them. Okay. All right? All right. Well, thank you for the advice. All right, buddy. Take care. I hope it works out for you. All right. Um, up next, we've got Steve. Hi, Steve. Steve. Is Steve there? Uh, Steve oh. is not. Looks Steve like he dropped off. Let's talk um, to Peter then. All right. Hi, Peter. Good, e good evening. Uh, hey. How you doing, Peter? Drew and Maddie. Pleasure to speak with you as always. Good. I've Good learned, to talk to you. Ju yeah, just in, uh, in what, 20 minutes I've learned something new um, that I What's didn't that? realize. So, um, Drew, my question uh, regards the notion of renting versus selling my property. If I can describe it to you, perhaps it would be helpful. Okay. It's a it's a single family house, uh, four bedroom, two bath, um, located uh, two minutes from the Beltway. Okay. South, maybe ten minutes away from John Johns Hopkins Hospital. Okay. Uh, I have a. There's a uh, swim club, a very large swim club that I can see from, I can see the clubhouse from my back window. So you have a water view. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little pond in the front that I keep fishing. <laughs> there I you never, go. Yeah, I've never joined the club, the you know, the, the, the pool club because my wife, you know, I'm a fisherman, so I would be off every weekend fishing. Right. And my wife didn't want to go by herself, so we never joined. But I've been there, you know. It's it's quite quite impressive. So anyway, uh, you know, I've been thinking about selling because I'm I'm going to relocate uh, down south. Okay. And uh, but it occurred to me, hey, wait a minute. You know, what if you just write, you know, a lease term for a year? You know, like a year to year lease situation and rent it. I know there are problems. Maybe I have to get a property manager or something. I don't know. What's, what's your opinion? So it's a great question. So let's say, you know, you're like Peter, you own a house in Maryland and you're planning to move south, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and you, 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 you move and you keep your Maryland house instead of selling it, mm -hmm. you keep it and you rent it. So here, you know, there's numerous issues you got to think about. Number one, if it's your personal residence, you only have three years after you move out of it to sell it and get the $500,000 capital gain exclusion. Uh -huh. If you hold it for more than three years, you lose that opportunity to sell it and get the $500,000 capital gain exclusion. So if it's your personal residence, I wouldn't do it for more than three years. But if you okay. did it for a year or two, certainly nothing wrong with that as long as you assume that you'll be able to sell it within the 12 months after the second lease, right? right? So that's number one. Number two, 
being a landlord is not a fun thing, you know? So, you know, you get the calls at late at night that the toilet's not working or something's happening or the grass right. isn't getting cut or whatever. It's right. a pain in the neck. But the cash flow, especially now, rental of personal residences is extremely profitable right now. The cash flow um, for a type of house he's talking about, it's 4000 maybe even as much as $5,000 a month that you rental. could be getting in rental income. Yeah. Wow. So, so that's, uh, that's the power of uh, the rental. So there's pluses and minuses. But again, if it was your personal residence, be careful not to lose the $500,000 capital gain exclusion. Right. So no and more than two years. No more than two years and make sure the place is sold, settled, etc. by the time okay. the uh, right. sec third year is up. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Sounds great. I did. I had no idea you could command. What, what did you say? How much monthly rental? It's a single family home located with all the benefits that you're talking about. Yeah. Easily four to five thousand a month. Wow. And people yeah. are paying that. I mean, people are paying. Uh, Maddie, you rent, don't you? No, I. Uh, Brian owns the house we live in. Okay. When the last time you rented, what did you pay for rent? Total. Uh, total. Was... So I lived with four other girls, and I, total, I think our rent was thirty seven hundred, close to four thousand. And that so... was an apartment, right? Oh my god! It, it, it was a row house in Baltimore. So yeah, that was a oh, row house in Baltimore. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's the power of it, yep. uh, Peter. Is I that had no idea? Oh yeah, so, the, so, the but... rental market is off the chart. That's what that was one of the biggest contributors to the inflation numbers you keep hearing is right, the, the right. rentals well, are going through the roof. Now, now, Drew, it occurs to me, you know, all my appliances, are all HVAC is brand new, okay? Sure. Uh, so very little expected to go wrong there. Now, yeah, but I have to. I have to take. I have to take my final break. Hold on with oh, me. I'll come oh, back to oh, you sure, in a second. Of course, of course. But I have to take my final break. If you want to get online, we have nobody else after Peter four one zero nine two two six six eighty. Please call in right now. We got to go to traffic. Take it away, traffic. Back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back. Money, Riches, and Wealth here with Maddie Bennett. And uh, Maddie's the head of our uh, consulate journal, the articles that uh, people are writing. You also do the webinars, don't you? Do you coordinate those? No, that's actually Alec. Alec. Mm -hmm. So you're doing the articles and so forth. So yeah. I wrote one a few about a week or so ago called Sweets, Alcohol, and Deferred Taxes. Mm -hmm. And, yep. uh, and uh, you have to read that. You have to understand why deferred taxes are like candy and alcohol. You know, it tastes great, feels good when you're, when you're consuming it. Uh, but, you know, uh, in the long run, it's not necessarily the best thing for you. So you should read that article. Um, but you had another one that just came in. It's a great article, too, from one of our other colleagues. Yeah. So this was written by Justin Linthicum. Um, it was just released about a week ago, and you can find it on our website under the Knowledge Center. Um, and it's about maximizing um, your HSA, your health savings accounts, and different ways to really max maximize the amazing abilities that comes along with the health savings account. So, and most people misunderstand what a health savings account is. They misinterpret it for what's called a flexible spending medical account. Totally different critter. 
So health savings accounts are for high deductible health plans where you can put in literally, it's like uh, $8,000 as a family or, or $4,000 as a single individual. If you're over 55, it's more like 9,500. So it's an incredibly beneficial uh, uh, tool uh, that you can use. Um, so, you know, you, you, you need to learn about HSAs and Justin's one of our top tax people. So it's, I thought he did a great job on that. I so, did too. Yeah. Very how do you well get written. that? How do you get that? So if you go to, um, the, our website, financialconsulate.com and you go to the knowledge center and then within there you click, um, the journal. I think it's Consulate U. Um, consulate Journal. A Consulate Journal. Right. And we there's a survey at the end of the article, um, and we encourage you to fill that out. And if you do, you are entered into a raffle to win a free Consulate Yeti. So there you, <laughs> you go. have some you time, do that. <laughs> can't, can't beat that, you know. And uh, um, But there's a lot of great things yes. on that Consulate website. There's yep. webinars. There's uh, the podcasts of all the radio shows. Um, you know, there's there's educational uh, uh, tools throughout to teach you about personal finances and so forth. So hopefully you will go to that consulate journal. But let's get our uh, listeners here. And Peter, we still had to finish Peter and then we'll go to Will and Jeff. OK, let's finish Peter. All right. Hi, Peter. Hi. Hi. Listen, uh, Drew, you've blown my mind with this amount of money. I mean, I was thinking in terms of like. Well, I could charge maybe $1,200 or something, or $2,000. No, it's not even close. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you get 5000 Yeah, maybe even higher. So it just depends on wow. how much your house is worth, right. where it's located, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, you can easily get the command those kind of numbers per month. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, listen, you've got other callers, and, and I, you know, I want to you know, let you go. But uh, I can come to you with regards to uh, writing up paperwork or a contract or something and speak We're not lawyers, so we don't do that. We're strictly comprehensive advisors. Oh. Oh, we I do gotcha. the big oh, picture gotcha. items for our clients. That's all, okay. all we do is we work with our clients on big picture I comprehensive gotcha. issues, and we invest money for them, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. No. All right? Okay, gotcha. Thank, Thank you, you so Peter. much. Take care. All right. Up next, we've got Will. Hi, Will. Hi. Hey, Will. I was wondering, how do I convert my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA so I can get the tax benefits? Very carefully. Okay. Meaning what? <laughs> so, you know, you, 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 just, you just can't convert traditional to Roth. It just doesn't work that simply, my friend. So... Let's say you have 200,000 of traditional IRAs. If you converted that all over to Roth, you'd have to report 200,000 of additional income on your income tax return and probably be subject to $60,000 in income taxes. So that's why I say very carefully, you have to think it out. You have to look at your taxes and say, okay, where am I stand right now if I don't convert? And if I do convert, how much is that going to cost me in taxes? And is that logical for me to pay that much in taxes to convert to Roth IRA? Am I making myself more clear? Oh, yes. I, I understand the tax part. But when you say does it make it more logical? Well, I, well I here's, the, here's the key, Will, okay? When it comes to Roth conversions, 
the only thing that matters is what tax bracket am I in today when I do the conversion and what is my likely tax bracket two years, five years, 10 years down the road when I'm gonna start potentially withdrawing that money out of that Roth IRA. So let okay. me give you an example. Let's say I'm in the 30% tax bracket, state and federal income taxes combined, 30%, and I do a Roth conversion, okay, 30%. If I'm in the 40% bracket, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, it was a slam dunk win decision for you. If I'm in the 30% bracket in the future, it's still a win for you. It's not as beneficial, but it was still a win for you. But if I'm in the 25 or 20% tax bracket, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you shouldn't have done the Roth conversion. So it's all about that assumption of what my tax bracket is today versus what I think it's going to be in the future. That's the whole key to the Roth conversion. Okay, thank you. And so there's no special paperwork that has to be filled out. You simply just move the money from one account to another and then... You pay the taxes on it. That's very... It's that simple. If I have 100000 in a traditional IRA, I go to my custodian and I say, take that whole 100000 or 50000 or any portion of it and move it to my Roth. At the end of the year, they're going to send you a 1099 saying you move the money to a Roth, you owe taxes on it, you pay the taxes on it, end of the story. It grows tax-free from that day forward. Okay. Could, um, could, I, do, could I do like a quarterly payment on that tax or something? You could do anything you want. You know, you could you could even pay it all in April when you when you actually file your taxes. So it's oh, only up I'm to you, gonna... my friend. Pardon me. All right, I gotta okay, go. Well, I gotta get you. Jeff before okay. I run. Good question, P- uh, Will. Thank you. All go right, ahead. Jeff, welcome. Hi, Drew. Hi, Maddie. Um, yeah. Drew, I believe you mentioned at the beginning of the show that money in a four hundred one k is credit or protected, whereas money in an IRA is not. Is that correct? Sort of, but not 100%. It depends on the state you live in. How about Maryland? Well, Maryland sort of gives you reasonable protection for your IRAs. But also, if you file bankruptcy, then it would, for the most part, have creditor protection with an IRA, um, you know, even though it's in an IRA. So there's different things. You have to look at state law. You have to look at uh, whether you're going to be willing to file bankruptcy to protect the asset. But it's always true that in a 401k, an ERISA-qualified plan is almost always 100% protected against uh, liability, creditors, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Bearing that in mind, what's your opinion of taking RMDs when you turn like 73 as opposed to annuitizing? Because I was told by Nationwide that if you annuitize, of course, every annuity payment you know, whether you take it uh, annually, quarterly, or monthly, you know, it's fully taxable as regular income, but you don't have to worry about RMDs anymore. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Don't even, li- don't even listen to that kind of ridiculous. Anybody says something that, like that to you, you, you just need to get rid of them and assume they're a salesperson, you know? Uh-huh. So- Matter of fact, prior to just a few weeks ago when the Fed changed their laws on annuitization, that it wasn't even a very good suggestion. But unfortunately, we're out of time. If you want to write me an email, drew at uh, financialconsulate.com, I can answer any further question you want on that. Okay, Jeff? Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. Good question. But <laughs> I just I just laugh, Maddie, when I, I hear that kind of stuff. Where, where do people come up with that, you know? 
Any way they can make money. Anyway, this is Drew Tignanelli saying God bless. Show them the way you feel. Things are gonna be much better.